Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. The holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all sports wagering info with up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet Online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. And not just the big four, Bet Online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played, MMA all the way to international soccer. So head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V, Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome in to Believe in Everything Auburn, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. Happy to be with you today. It's been a chaotic week in the world of college football. I'm, truth be told, barely keeping my head above water at this point, but we welcome you in anyway. And we are going to, of course, talk about all of the results from this past weekend, the controversy that certainly ensued, and uh, talk about what's going on around Auburn football as well. So a bit of a, a brief generic episode. We'll get you caught up on all the main talking points. And then as the month goes on, of course, we'll continue to cover signing day, bowl game, everything that football entails. But we will dive into some other sports, basketball in full swing. Gymnastics is about a month away. So we've got a lot of exciting things ahead. So Welcome in my co-host, Jay Cam. There's obviously a ton to talk about around college football right now. We'll get into some Auburn stuff, but I feel like we got to start with the hot topic because Mm. it has just consumed every inch of the sports world for the past few days, and that is the college football playoff committee's decision when it came to the Final Four that will be vying for that national championship and playing in the playoff. And There was a lot of debate after the results of conference championship weekend and uh, Alabama created some chaos because Mm. Washington defeated Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. Another just absolutely crazy game in that matchup. Texas took care of business in the Big 12. Michigan took care of business in the Big 10. Alabama defeated Georgia 27 to 24 in Atlanta, giving the dogs their first loss in 30 games. The last time they lost was almost two years to the day in the SEC championship against Alabama. Nick Saban and the Tide got it done once again, and that knocked Georgia out of contention. But the debate remained because Florida State defeated Louisville in the ACC championship game that night, but apparently not in convincing enough fashion a 13 and 0 season an ACC title and they ultimately got left out two teams with one loss will be playing in the playoff and I don't think that we will stop hearing about this for a long time because there were arguments 
to both sides. So uh, let's get into it a little bit, just kind of your take on all of this and ultimately the committee's decision. Michigan 1, Washington 2, Texas 3, Alabama 4. Man, what a great weekend uh, for college sports. I love the championship games. Uh, it always uh, bring a lot of heightness of to, to yeah. sit on your couch and, and eat or whether you went to the game like Taylor <laughs> had a you know, was fortunate. I, yeah. I say this, watching that Texas, I mean, watching the Washington-Oregon game Friday night was a really, really good game. You know, Washington came mm -hmm. out fast. Oregon storms back, take the lead. And then Washington had to go out and earn it at the end of that ball game. They had to convert some key third downs to – you know, keep Oregon from getting the ball back. So Oregon being in there at number two makes sense to me. Michigan, it seems like they always get the easy way out when it comes to playing in their championship game. They played an Iowa team that had zero offense, uh, great defense, and, you know, I think for the second year in a row they played Iowa in that game. So for them, it's always beat Penn State, beat Ohio State, and you're in. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. where a lot of teams got a lot difficult, uh, a bigger – road to have to go through in order to reach that so them being ranked number one number three texas uh beat oklahoma state really bad and then for me three and four is where it kind of got really interesting because the simple fact that florida state you know acc finished 13 and 0 and you kind of you get left out of this and everyone's talking about the quarterback travis uh jordan not being there and being hurt and everything but as a player what about everybody else that's on that roster? You I know. know. That's going out there fighting their butts off. Like, he's been hurt for weeks now. You've known this. And their backup quarterback played their last two games of the season, and he mm -hmm. missed this game with a concussion. So he basically would have had a full month to prepare for the playoffs. You know, yeah. and uh, and you have to think that he would be better than the true freshman that started in the championship game. And defense is what wins championships. Now, but the, the playoff committee also had to justify, okay, if we put Texas in, then if Bama has to be after them because Bama beat Georgia and Georgia couldn't be number four because Bama beat Georgia. So then you'd have had chaos there. And mm -hmm. Georgia can have a – they have a real reason to complain too because the simple fact that you won 29 straight, you've been, one, you've been ranked one most of the year, and you yep. lost to another top five opponent. I know there was eight coming into this game, but they finished four now in the final uh, voting, I mean, committee. So you lost to another top team by three points. And, yep. you know, you missed the field goal, you turned the ball on your side of the field. So they have an argument as well. Say, Texas beat Alabama by more than two scores. You know, Oklahoma beat Texas. You know, so know. they could say, hey, our biggest loss was to Bama. And it was only a three-point game in the championship game. So yeah. Georgia has a reason to be upset as well as Florida State. But we all knew it was going to happen. I'm going to be honest with you. Once Nick Saban, they beat Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, you knew they was going to get in. And I immediately yeah, started I to feel – I did. I just immediately started to feel bad at that time for Florida State because I knew that night when I watched that game that they was going to go off the eye test and they was going to mm. say they're struggling offensively. Defense is great, but they're struggling offensively. And you could tell on the broadcast because they kept trying to sell it, you know, yeah. why Alabama might get in. And so you can kind of see it, that it was coming. And you feel bad for those kids because we was on a 13-0 and 0 team. And like I tell everybody, you know, I tweeted about it. I said we was fully healthy. And we got yeah. left out, and there was computer system and every day and everything back then. And everybody, you know, everybody got their comments. Oh, USC this, and I was like, man, you know, what? I'm not even gonna get in an argument back and forth <laughs> with you. I said I was just saying I know how I feel to be left out 
because we was that team yeah. that went undefeated in the SEC. I said, right or wrong, whether you say the committee got it right or they got it wrong, I'm just telling you, I know how they feel and what they're going through and, and yeah. everything. So I would have liked to have the opportunity to compete for a championship. That's all you can ask for. And mm -hmm. everybody would say, well, you know, so people like to compare things in the past. You can't do that. Every year is his own football team. And I think the playoff is going to be a great atmosphere. I really do, Taylor. I think Michigan and Alabama is going to be old throwback in the trenches game. game. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Texas, Texas and, and Washington will be a game that it gets you up on your toes because it's going to be a back and forth shootout is what I'm feeling mm -hmm. uh, just because mm -hmm. those two offenses and the quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting matchup uh, to say the least, but you know, somebody was going to be hurting this. Somebody was going to be, you know, upset. So that's why the, the 12 team playoff is coming this year. I wish they would have just said, if it's close the way that it is, that we have a play in game. You know how the NBA added a play in game into yeah. the tournament, into the added that into the playoff system. I wish mm -hmm. they would have done the same thing in this if they would have had it sitting there to say, if it gets to a point where it needs to be a runoff. I'm talking election stuff now. <laughs> Get to the point where it needs to be, a, <laughs> where it needs to be a, a play-in game. Yeah. Then that way it would have been Florida State and Bama playing each other. But then you couldn't answer all of it because then Georgia gonna say, "Well, what about us?" Georgia's sitting there too. Yeah. Here's yeah, the thing. So, uh, You're absolutely right. It was the way that everything worked out this season. It wasn't going to feel great no matter what they decided because we have six teams this year with very valid arguments and like three of them, I would say even four, are kind of interchangeable. Like if you're asking me my genuine opinion, I believe that Alabama and Georgia are two of the best four teams mm -hmm. in the country. I really do. But that's just not the way that it's structured to work and, and so you can't go based on that. But – the point of the committee is to put the best four teams in a position to be able to vie for a national championship. Now, the way that you help the committee do that is by taking care of business as the season goes on. So I, I understand where each of those teams didn't deserve it. And I understood where they did. But then we got into the debate this year of is it who deserves to be there or who is the best team at the time, because if we're talking deserves, Florida State deserves to be there. They did everything right. asked of them. They even went as far as to start the season with a non-conference game. And, and that's one of their best wins over LSU, one of the most efficient offenses when all is said and done. They also beat Florida in the swamp. So they're 2-0 and against the SEC but it wasn't against Georgia or Alabama. Like we, I think we're all in agreement that those two teams were on a different level by the end of season than the rest of the SEC was. So I don't really like the whole ACC record versus SEC this year because I don't think that the entire SEC was uh, at the same level by this right, point. We're top heavy this year. We definitely were, but I think that you also take into account the entire body of work, how much progress you saw. And I think that Alabama is absolutely a better team now than they were to start the season. They are mm -hmm. honestly night and day different. A lot of it because of Jalen Milrose development over the course of season, you saw the hypothetical uh, predictions. If Florida state had been four, they are substantial underdogs against everyone because they have gotten worse. And, and, 
I hate that that happened to Jordan Travis. And I honestly don't like that being part of the criteria because like I saw somebody tweet today after Trevor Lawrence got hurt last night, like should Jacksonville no longer be eligible for playoffs because Trevor Lawrence got hurt? Maybe we asked the committee. And so I, I do hate that that's part of it because you are, part of the strength of a team is your depth, right? And and there are teams that got wins and they had their backup quarterback in at various points of the regular season. Just because it's looking like it's going to be the second or third string the rest of the way, you're almost playing, you know, psychic at that, at that point, just already deciding that they're not going to be all that. So I, I honestly wish that weren't the case. I think if you're looking at the entire body of work, if you're looking at, progression or digression over the course of the season and who is peaking right now and the caliber of their wins at this time, you lean toward Alabama more than Florida State, even though Florida State is undefeated. Yeah, and I totally agree with that is, you know, they was looking at the body of work at the end of the season. And like you said, yeah. deserving Florida State deserves to be in. Now, if you just mm-hmm. try to pick the best four, my whole thing was you're picking the best four, you know, you got to go with Michigan, you got to go with Georgia. How you leave out Ohio State then? You know, do you think Ohio State can beat a Texas team? Uh, you know, yes, Bama is one of the hottest teams towards the end of the year. Everybody keeps bringing up, you know, they barely beat Auburn. If you don't know the Iron Bowl, you don't realize how hard that game is. Exactly. You can throw the records out the window uh, when it comes to that aspect of it. But the best four, like, did they get the best four, though? Like, that's the, that's the, that's so. the whole question. So, yeah, so you saying you're getting the best four. Do you think a Washington beats a Georgia team? Do you think no. uh, a Michigan beats a Georgia team? You know what I'm saying? Do you like if you're talking best four? You know, yeah. no, we're talking about the best four that you can make an argument for to to back your plan up of why you pick these four teams. Yeah, you know because all of them were conference champions, and then the fact that Texas beat Alabama, you couldn't put Alabama in there if you didn't put Texas in there. So they right. had to make sure that they did that. So let's just call a spade a spade. Everyone knows what's going on. <laughs> we see it here and uh, and everything. But that's why that was because had Georgia won, it'd be no arguments, no. It was easy. Yeah, it was easy. But because they lost, it put us in this situation. But dang, like you won the last two national championships. You haven't lost in almost two years. Your one loss is to an Alabama team in a conference championship by three points and you're out. You don't get to vie for that three-peat. It was within reach. Now, being down there, I will say, something was off energy-wise. Like It felt like it was Alabama's game from start to finish. But I think you look at, you know, Coach Saban has a way. No one has beaten more top 10 teams than Nick Saban in Alabama. Like, they just, that's when they do their best work. And, you know, with the whole who deserves to be their thing, I think we all should have learned our lesson last year when we had a TCU-Georgia national championship that was a 60-point blowout. You want to talk about not letting – you know, some analysts are all up in arms right now that football's not a beauty pageant and we have to let the games count. The games do count, but at the end of the day, if we're looking at entire body of work and we have a playoff committee that is deemed to be well-versed in the college football landscape, 
you can look at this and tell that Florida State is not the caliber of team that the rest of these are. And if we are truly trying to crown the best team when all is said and done, they also have to beat the best team. And I don't think beating Florida State in a playoff guarantees that you're one of the best two. Well, they could have helped themselves had they – we had a couple of weeks where they've been talking about this, and they kept ranking mm-hmm. Oregon at five. And they could have they could have ranked Oregon down to like seven or eight. They could have had yeah. Bama ranked up there higher. They could have had, you know, Ohio State or, or they could have done a better job with the ranking aspect of it. That kind of would have showed where Florida State really was if that's how they felt minds, about them. Yeah. yeah, they if they felt that, why wait to the last week where you know they probably gonna beat a Louisville team like you said they lost to Kentucky, and it won't look as pretty. But you could have did that after the Kentucky game after the the week before. When Florida State beat beat Florida and you came out the rankings before going to the championship week, if you would have just said, okay, y'all don't look like one of the four best teams right now, well, then why put them at the four at that standpoint? They could have put them at five or six at that time, which would have been a lot less luster because then it would have showed what they were trying to do is really put the best four teams from the eye test at the end of the season. But it's their fault because they kept putting them at four. They kept putting right. them at three the week before. So at that point, that time, you're true. telling those kids, yeah, at that point, time, you're telling those kids that they see them as three or four because they kept ranking them as three and four. If you didn't see them at three and four, then why you put them at three and four the last couple of weeks of the season? Yeah, you kind of set a false precedent because all along you clearly were prioritizing wins and losses. And then now in the final hour, you're going to decide to bank on the eye test. That's a good point. But what ultimately happened, they had Georgia at number one majority of the season. So by doing that, the committee was showing their cards all along that how highly they viewed Georgia. So anyone to go in and beat Georgia that is going to be the best win, the most compelling win that anyone in college football will have in the committee's eyes. They were showing that all along by having Georgia at the precedent that they were. So if Alabama goes in, takes care of business, they have one loss to another team that you've gotten the top four. So that one you also respect. You don't hold any of Florida State's wins as that convincing other than the LSU one, but that was at the very beginning of season. And part of their logic is that everyone gets better over the course of season. But when they looked at Florida State, they saw digression a lot because of the Jordan Travis injury. So I definitely agree with you there. That should have been reflected all along instead of just in the 11th hour. Yeah, it's hard. I don't. I'm not knocking them because it's hard to be in that position. I'm pretty sure. I wouldn't that, want to be in know, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a hard position. So the 12 team playoff is going to help. You know, they could have did eight, but they decided to do 12. Uh, that's going to help with all of this. So from happening in the future, um, because you got teams like SMU to finish undefeated. You know, one of the New Year's Six Day Bowl, they they're not going to get one. You know, <laughs> so yeah. Liberty Liberty undefeated, Liberty. and they're actually getting one against Oregon, you know, so there's other teams that, you know, even though SMU is moving to the ACC, but there's teams out there, this won't happen to again. And yeah, the aspect of it is if Alabama would have beat Texas early in the year, but then Alabama beats Georgia in the championship game, Georgia would have been four at that time. The Alabama would have been one and then Michigan would have been two. And then maybe it'd have been tossed up between Washington and Florida state at that yeah. time. But, Things happen, you know, like I said, I'm not knocking the committee. That's a tough decision to make. Mm-hmm. You try to get the best four. 
but there was some rationalizing going on behind the scenes, but this could have been done differently had they just not ranked. If they, if they didn't see Florida State at three and four the last two, three weeks of the season, they don't put the kids in that situation where you put That's them true. ranked that high and then you take it from them when they win their conference championship. Yeah. You should have already you should have had that situated weeks before where you could have ranked them less than that down there and that would have showed that you were trying to put the best four that you thought in the playoffs. Man, that's a very, very good point and one that I had not thought of yet. But uh, yeah, so that's ultimately where things stand for postseason this year, both of those happening on New Year's Day, Michigan, Alabama in Pasadena and Texas, Washington in New Orleans with the national championship happening a couple weeks later in Houston. So looking forward to it, though. I do have high hopes for both of those matchups, regardless of how anyone feels about where they land. I do think we should all agree that those are going to be really interesting matchups. And then, look, I think Georgia, Florida State, assuming that everyone plays, and that's I'm not convinced that Georgia is going to get all of their best guys to play in that because they're going to be salty that that's what they're doing. But I think if anyone was on the fence about a playoff expansion, we have silenced those concerns with this year. Also, for decision-making purposes, the Heisman finalists have also been announced, and that ceremony will be taking place this weekend. We've got Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., Jaden Daniels, and Marvin Harrison Jr., so you had said a few weeks ago that you believe that Marvin Harrison is actually the best player in college football, but you anticipated Jaden Daniels would win the Heisman. Do you still feel that way or have they changed as of late? <laughs> Jaden Daniels is the best player in college football now. Okay. Now, because he gets an opportunity to do more, he touches the ball every play. Marvin right. Harrison Jr., is I think it's the most outstanding athlete in football. But in okay. order for him to be the in order for him to be the best player, he has to require on someone getting him the ball because he doesn't touch the ball every play. So That's a good point. the the numbers that he was able to put up based off of that was outstanding. But how can you not give it to Jaden Daniels, a guy that has as many rushing yards as he has, 50 touchdowns, you know, the passing yards. LSU has zero defense. Let's just face it, zero defense. So yeah. if you take him off of that team, they win three games because they couldn't mm -hmm. stop anybody. Um, Bo had a really good run this year. He put up 40 touchdowns. And uh, I think the only thing that hurts him is the fact they lost to Washington twice. Yeah. Um, you know, Michael Penis had a good year. He had, what what was his, 33 touchdowns, I, I believe, somewhere around there. Almost similar passing yards to Bo. Uh, both of those guys played in the same conference. He was a conference champion, but he doesn't have the same elusiveness or rush yards that Jaden Daniels have. So that's why yeah. I think it's Jaden Daniels' trophy because Heisman goes to the best player, not so much the best team. And uh, that's yes. the difference in this situation. I would agree. While I think Bo and Michael both had great performances, I actually think because LSU wasn't as dynamic as they typically are, it showcased how special Jaden was even more. Like if you're surrounded by everyone clicking on all cylinders, it's easy for everyone to elevate, right? But he had to make right. up for a lot of weaknesses that LSU was trying to figure out this year, and he was consistent with it. Like there were a couple games that Michael Penix Jr., everybody was like, what's going on? And then with Bo, 
you know, there's a lot of bow that, you know, is very efficient, very quick, but it's a, some dink and dunk and some quick, short, intermediate stuff like that. And it, it became very rhythmic for them. And while that is very impressive, I think if you're looking at numbers, you're looking at responsibility level and you're looking at honestly, like some of the intangibles they had to work around. I think it's Jaden's, but that will come out this weekend. Also, what has been announced is the postseason structure for everyone in bowl season. And the Tigers will be coming on back to Nashville. Uh, they will be playing in the Music City Bowl for what feels like the 87 millionth time. But a great bowl in Nissan Stadium. And we will be facing Maryland. So we will uh, have more of a preview for that. But Jay, what is your, and we will certainly get into this conversation, but real brief, what is your take on this Auburn team, the current guys on this roster playing in this Music City Bowl? Why is it important? Yeah, it's very important. You lost the last two games of the season. You know, you lost to the New Mexico State team, and then you lost the Iron Bowl right at the end which you felt like you had one and you don't want to leave your career with, with it kind of being a loss or a loss that way. You know, you kind yeah. of want to get back out there and, 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 and revenge yourself if you want to call it that and, and go out on a higher road, you know, go out on, on trying to win your last game. And it's the last opportunity for you to go out there with your teammates and lace it up with this group mm -hmm. of guys. That's why I tell people the only thing about the transfer portal that hurts college football is there's no more lifelong friend relationships that you build through your locker room where you guys become brothers for the rest of their life. You know, like me and Ronnie and Lack and Los and Danny Lindsay's and those guys that we came in together and we stayed all four years together. We built that relationship to a bond where we are still close to this day. You're not going to have that anymore in college football because it's going to feel like the NFL where guys are interlooping in and out of the locker room where you don't even have the time to build that relationship, that bond, you know, yeah. because it changes so much. Uh, but I just think that guys, you got a chance to play. I get it. If you someone like a Caleb Williams and you know, you already projected as the top five pick, then yes, you have to protect your assets for your future. You know, I get it. But if you are not in the playoffs, but you feel like you can help yourself in this game, but you can also go out on a higher note because Taylor, what we don't know, I don't know what any of these teams are going to look like in the bowl game because of half yeah. of them transferred and then, you know, half of them are saying they're not playing. So I don't even know what the Georgia and Florida State game is going to look like. I hear Florida That's State got so 21 true. players to say they're not going to play. So you're not going to get the same Florida State or the Come Georgia on. team against each other in the Orange Bowl. So it's not what like it used to be. So some of these yeah. bowl games are going to look a little lackluster because of that. I think you make such a statement about what your program's all about based on the involvement and the hype around the bowl game. Mm -hmm. While I can understand, you know, the risk associated, I guess, and, and the weight of that and the decision that you have to make, especially if you're one of those guys that's looking, you know, right now they have you projected early second round, but with a really impressive off season, you could bump up to a first round. I get it. Mm -hmm. Like there, there is serious, thought you have to put behind that but mm -hmm. I think that just the mindset of like what does it matter why are you playing this game like you only get a handful of opportunities to do this in college so I, I hate that narrative and 
if that's ultimately, you know, this isn't big enough or this isn't a compelling matchup or what does it matter if we win or lose? I don't like that. Especially given where this Auburn program is right now. The results of this season certainly were not what we wanted, but it does feel like we're gaining traction and it does feel like we're gaining momentum to head upward, which has been two and a half years in the making, right? Mm -hmm. So an impressive bowl stand. Remember a few years ago when, was it the Music City Bowl? I don't even remember, that Derek Brown played. And like, he didn't have to. He put out a statement and he was like, of course I'm playing. Like this is, I'm not ending my college career sitting out just because. Like it matters to me that I play for Auburn. It matters to me that I play with this team and we get one more opportunity to do it. And look how successful he's been. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I think that you make a statement about what this program is all about and where it's headed just by the amount of energy and effort that you put into it, even though it's not going to get you a national championship title. That's ultimately not the driving force. So I really hope we don't see a lot of guys opt out from Auburn um, because I think that a lot of good could come from it. And look, Speaking of traction, I mean, this coaching staff is putting in work in recruiting and they might need to get into gymnastics because they be flipping some guys. You know what I mean? (laughs) We got another huge commitment flip last week. Five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman Mm -hmm. flipped his commitment from Texas A&M. We now have three of the top five players in the state, which has not been done since 2018. So Hugh Freeze, Marcus Davis, Lack, Zach, like all of these guys really are pouring in the effort to match what they're saying about the caliber of talent that this program needs to get back. And I love that they're doing it with youth because you're building the foundation and it shows that development still matters. There is risk associated with this transfer portal. You're getting guys that may have habits that they're not willing to break. And it's too individual focused, still putting an effort and an emphasis on recruiting out of high school and having young talent that you can develop within this system. And with a standard that this staff intends to uphold, I think is still going to be the recipe for success in college football. Yeah, you still got to build a program through high school. You know, you got to totally. you got to build it that way where guys come in together, they make a commitment together, and you know they become a they build a brotherhood. You know, you get transfer guys in there. Yes, it's good to get some. You luck up with some great character guy. Look at Elijah McAllister. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you hit on some guys uh, that that really come in to help your program. Uh, totally. Gunner Britton, you know, Avery Jones, those type of guys. But you know, sometimes it's hard though if you don't understand their foundation. And and to what you was alluding to. So you have to make sure that your core group comes from your high school kids. And flipping Cam Coleman was a huge get. We've been talking about this team needing bigger, explosive receivers. You got two already, Perry Thompson and then uh, Cam Coleman, but also Bryce, Bryce King, the other one. So and there's a chance you may flip Ryan Williams. So there's a there's a good chance that this team will be loaded with young talent next year at the receiver position, along with two, three of our veteran guys that we still have on the staff that are still that was young guys last year that's still progressing. So, you know, this is going to be a team that uh, that that's on the horizon. And like I say, recruiting is all about being able to show a good product. If Auburn had laid an egg in the iron bowl, this would probably not be the case. 
but the fact that they showed up and responded after they had won three games in a row and they lost the New Mexico State game, it showed that that's not who we were. We got caught in a situation. We don't want to say it loud, but looking ahead. And we showed up in the Iron Bowl and we showed that's the Auburn team that we had saw in those three previous weeks before New Mexico State. And that's what we're building off of. And that's where we're having, that's where we're headed in that direction. Absolutely. There are some rumblings that five-star safety KJ Bolden is still kind of being talked to. He's obviously a a Florida State guy as it sits right now, but rumors that he uh, has been reconsidering and Auburn is still sort of on the table. We'll continue to pay attention to that. Uh, With these wide receivers that are coming in, though, some expected departures that have decided to pursue the transfer portal from Auburn. Uh, we cover, covered a couple last week in Sledge and Omari Kelly. Uh, Steven Johnson has also entered along with Jack linebacker Steven Sings and wide receivers Jair Shorter and Malcolm Johnson. Did either of those surprise you? No, those didn't surprise me at all. Um, Neither. You know, even Omari Kelly, I think he's in there as well. Uh, yep. Like I said, guys that will go on and, and be able to have success somewhere else, but mm-hmm. a lot of the production, you know, didn't come didn't come that through them. And some of those guys are young guys, but as sometimes Taylor, the way that the system operates nowadays, if you're a coach, you don't want a kid sitting there if you feel like he can go somewhere else and, and have a better situation. Set himself up so better. Sometimes, right. Yeah, so sometimes in the portal, some guys are told that it may be better for them to be elsewhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, so you know, that's just being open and honest with, with your kids, and I think that's what you should do. So I, I think from that standpoint, you know, a lot of those not shockers at all. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. I just punched my mic. Sorry. A few guys that Auburn, there are reports that Auburn has been in contact with, and and even potentially offered that are in the portal. Uh, Defensive end, Nate Clifton from Vanderbilt. I covered Vanderbilt several times this year, and there were a lot of of high praise from the coaching staff about him and and his involvement. Arkansas linebacker Chris Paul, he's had a great career for them, 137 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, six sacks, and a forced fumble. Wide receiver Will Shepard out of Vanderbilt, Deion Burks out of Purdue, Michigan State defensive lineman Derek Harmon, and another wide receiver Robert Lewis out of Georgia State. So clearly this coaching staff putting an emphasis on adding to those targets, which is not a surprise at all. That was certainly a talking point of theirs this past season. And I think as current guys who saw minimal productivity uh, this past season see the impact of, you know, the transfer portal and recruiting in specificity to the wide receiver position. The writing's probably on the wall with them. And we certainly wish them well and and hope that they find the right situation. But look, I'm not going to be surprised if uh, Auburn starts talking to some of these quarterbacks that are in the portal. Now, you and I were talking before I'm not really sure how many of these quarterbacks are truly looking to transfer that are in the portal right now, uh, as opposed to how many are just using it as a bit of a bargaining tool with their respective schools, because there is now talk that quarterbacks in the portal could make insane amounts of money. And so they're, uh, they're trying to uh, tap into that a little bit. You've got guys like Dylan Gabriel, uh, Kyle McCord, Grayson McCall is back in. Now, that one I wouldn't be surprised because I know that he was of interest to this Auburn coaching staff last year, but academics played a role in that. 
We still have, you know, not sure about the Riley Leonard situation, but he does have some ties to Auburn. Uh, His girlfriend's in school at Auburn, and he's from Fairhope. So I wouldn't be surprised to hear Auburn in the mix for some of these guys. I don't think it's a a vote of we're done with Peyton Thorne, but I do think that this coaching staff would exhaust all efforts because as these big-name targets are going to come to Auburn, you got to make sure you have a consistent guy to get them the ball. Yeah, the thing about the portal, too, is, you know, I'll, I'll say this for Auburn, we still got to get defensive line pass rushers. Uh, you know, Agreed. so that still needs to be a focus for this football team. Offensive line, you can never have enough depth. You lose Gunnar Britton, you lose Avery Jones. Um, you know, got a couple guys got to make some decisions so they're going to come back or not. So you got to have some depth there as well. Cause that's where a lot of games are won. That's where mm-hmm. we almost beat Georgia and Bama was in the trenches uh, this year. Um, yeah. But we got to create a thought? pass rush. Right. Right. You would have thought. And then you look at um, just overall, you have to be careful in the portal. Matt Rule came out and made a huge mistake when he came out and said that starting quarterbacks in the portal now are going for a million to two million. That's not necessarily true. You're talking about yeah. three to four guys, maybe nationally. And a lot of that is not even coming from the collectives. A lot of that is coming from national sponsorships like Dr. Pepper and, yeah. you know, endorsements. And all these different, yeah, endorsements and stuff. That's what they're not understanding that some of these guys like Kayla Williams and, and Bryce Young was endorsed by Dr. Pepper, you know, who's probably paying them a million and a half to two million. You know, that's not coming from their collectives. So right. a lot of these, a lot of the mindset of these kids, they heard that they're jumping from great situations where they are trying to go look for a bigger payday somewhere else and not understanding that, hey, a lot of this is not coming from the collective's pocket. So we'll see where a lot of this stuff transpires and where it goes and, and everything. But I, I really do think that, you know, everything still needs to start with a lot of these high school kids. And Taylor, yes. not mention that, you got to try to keep the guys that's on your team. And not just the impact the ones. Portal. Yeah, uh-huh. not just in the portal, but what if they want to go to the league? You know, know. And, and then you have to have those real conversations with a lot of those kids that think difficult. They put a certain round by their name that that's where they're going to actually go. I say you can't predict where you're going to go at in a draft. So a lot of times it takes a lot of hard conversations, a lot of times sitting down with your family, your parents and putting down the pluses and the minuses and trying to figure out what's the best decision at this standpoint of your career. And that's yeah. where I think NIL is able to help out because it keeps a lot of kids from making pressure decisions that right. they may not be ready for and gives them time to develop more. 100%. And I certainly think that Auburn is a good place for these guys to be doing that with the uh, the focus of the coaching staff and, and clearly what progress we were able to see uh, on the field over the course of this season. So looking forward to what they do in the coming weeks, months. I know that this time of year is just insane for these coaches. The early signing period, I believe, starts December 20th. So it's just chaos as it always is. But I have heard rumblings that it is expected to be a record-setting number of guys that enter the portal this year. Uh, I think every year it's it's bumping up a little bit. We were well over a thousand last year. And uh, I, I think the way it's trending right now, it's probably going to go past that. So a lot to keep our eyes on and we will make sure to do that. Like I said, we will also get into some other sports in the coming weeks. And of course the bowl game 
and uh, all of the postseason action that is sure to ensue. So make sure you keep it locked with us on Believe in Everything Auburn. Subscribe if you haven't already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. We are on YouTube, like I just said, on Believe's YouTube channel, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. So we will be back next week to break down whatever the frick happens between now and then. Until then, hope you have a fantastic week and more Eagle. War Eagle. Peace. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.